Good morning, Porch community. It's good to see you guys. It's real good to see you guys. Um, <clears throat> thank you for that prayer, Justin. This is what I was uh, praying along with, uh, with you while you were praying. That was that, um, that God would meet the expectant heart this morning and that God would uh, gently minister to the reluctant heart. So that, that um, the things of earth being strangely dim, I think is a beautiful uh, reminder to us. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but we can get distracted and overwhelmed with the things of this earth, the things of this world, and the things we have to take care of, and what's on our agenda, and what's in our calendar, and all, all these things. And um, so easily our mind can shift, so easily. And we think we've got to hold everything, right? That we are in charge, that we are in control, that we are the one that's making everything spin, right? And it's, it's just not true. It's, it's not true. So um, that's, that's what I was praying. That's what was going through my mind. Um, we are in our second week of our series on the book of Acts. And um, I'm going to read to you. We're going to, we went last week from verse 1 through verse 8. We're going to backtrack a couple of verses and then go ahead. So uh, I'm going to start reading in verse 4. <clears throat> read uh, 4 through 14. So this is God's word. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, Jesus, he gave them this command do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But, so he's like, that, that's, you don't need to focus on that. But, <laughs> verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, as any of us would, right? When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then, and I'm sure there's something that, there's some time that happened here, but they, we know this, then they return. So this is talking about the, the followers of Jesus. They see Jesus ascend into heaven. He's told them, you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit. He ascends to heaven. This is called the ascension, okay? And it says, they return to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. And when they arrived... 
They went upstairs to the room where they were staying, and it is widely accepted among scholars that this was the same room where they had the Last Supper, that this was the same room where they shared that together. So they returned, probably someone had rented it or someone they knew that owned it, but they returned to that same place. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, different Judas. Verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So, okay, there's a lot happens here in this, in this passage. So much happens here in this passage. They all join together constantly in prayer. Before Jesus sends his disciples out, before he sends them out to share the transformative good news that Jesus is the Messiah, he is the Savior of the world, before he sends them out to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth, he says... I've got something for you. There's, uh, he makes a promise to them. So in verse 8, I want to repeat it. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You will receive the Holy Spirit power when it comes on you. So Jesus promises his followers they will receive his power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Many of you probably know this. You've probably heard someone teach you about it. But the Greek word for power is dunamis, dunamis. And it's where we get our word for dynamite. It's where we get our word for dynamic. And so this power that Jesus is talking about, it's powerful, okay? It is, it's an extraordinary power. It's not a, wow, you're kind of strong. No, this is like power, okay? Say power. Now say power, I don't know why I had you do that. That's just weird. Um, <laughs> here's a couple of examples, just a couple, and I'm going to fly through them quick. So there's just going to be the, the scripture reference, but I just want to give you a couple of examples that Luke gives us. So Luke is the writer of Acts. He's also the writer of Luke. I want to give you a couple examples from the gospel of Luke and in Acts where Luke describes this power. This dunamis power, the Holy Spirit power, okay? Here's what it does. This is the examples of what this power does, just in case you're going, okay, well, that's nice, power, cool. No, here's the power. It transforms people's hearts. We read this in Luke chapter 1, verse 7. You can write that down and look at it later, but it's where John the Baptist, under the Spirit's dunamis power, he is actually preparing people's hearts to receive Jesus, to say yes to Jesus. That power was working through John the Baptist. In verse 35 of Luke 1, you read, and in other gospel accounts as well, that the power, dunamis, of the Holy Spirit conceives a baby in the virgin girl. Okay? That's dunamis, power. All right? This same power in Luke uh, chapter 4 and also in uh, chapter 9, this is a power that can speak to and cast out demons. This is power, right? This is this dunamis power. Jesus and his disciples operated under that dunamis power. Okay, this is how the word is used throughout the scriptures. In Luke chapter 5 and and, uh, chapter 6 and 8, 
We read how this dunamis power, the power gives the ability to heal the lame, to heal the sick. And there's even more miracles that go on and and many other, so in Luke, I think it's going to be up here for you. The next one in Luke, yeah, 10, chapter 19, a couple places in 19, or excuse me, Luke 10 and 19, yeah. Then over in Acts, you see all these examples. You can leave that up there for a moment for note takers, right? Are all these miracles that just keep happening, all these miracles, and they all are written and recorded by Luke using this word dunamis, power. This is the Holy Spirit of God. This is power. And this is what we see these miracles happening in. And then the, one of the last examples I want to give you is actually found in, in Acts chapter 4. And it's, it's the one that I think we might not go, oh, well, that's, that's kind of, I guess you call that power. <laughs> but it, it's actually the prayer I was praying earlier about the reluctant or, you know, and it's the power to open up ears to listen when the gospel is shared, when the gospel is spoken, when it's given. Many of us in this room, uh, maybe as young people, teenagers, young adults, you know, adults, we, we know, we can look back and we see where we were kind of deaf or blind to what God was doing, and then suddenly our ears were open or our eyes were open, right? That's the work of God, right? That's not just you being a better person, right? That's dunamis power. That's Holy Spirit power working in you. That's, that's God ministering to you by the Holy Spirit so that you will, when you hear the gospel, you'll respond to the gospel. We call that provenient grace. It's the work of God. It's the grace of God. It's him working in our lives. So the power, I just, I'm just trying to emphasize this, the power that Jesus tells his disciples they're going to receive, it is a powerful power. <laughs> this is the Spirit's power. And then after he promises them this power, we read in verse 9, after he said this, he is taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. Where did Jesus go? We know. But this is what Luke chapter 22 tells us. Verse 69. It says, The Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. So when this is important to know. It might just be like, we got that, Shannon. But think about this. And I I touched on it last week. It's important to repeat it that I, I think so. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he sat down at the right hand of God. He is there ruling and reigning in the heavenlies with God the Father. That is where he is. That is a, it's a place of glory. It's a place of authority. And yes, it is a place of power. Jesus is sitting there and he is ruling and reigning. He is there and he is, uh, he has taken our place. He, he, he's one who says, okay, father, don't look at them, at them before what they've done. Look at them through what I've done for them. Okay. So that, this is the role that he is serving, but that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story, Christians. People seeking, wondering, questioning. The end of the story is not, okay, Jesus uh, lived here. He did miracles. He taught. He spoke. He was crucified. He died. He was buried. Three days later, he rose. 
Then he spent 40 days among those uh, who had followed him. He had, there were proofs, that, infallible proofs that he was actually there. The risen, resurrected Jesus. And then on the day of ascension, as we call it, 40 days after his resurrection, he goes and is now in heaven. That's not the end of the story. And yet, for many, many, many of us, that's kind of the end of the story. And it's like, if we, can, if we believe in that, that's great. Like, that's, that's, a, that's a leap of faith for a lot of people just to, to believe just that. But there's more to the story. There is the third person of God. There is the third person of the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God, who Jesus said, I'm sending to you. I'm sending to you. He's going to give you power. And the the same power that we just read a lot of those references to. He's going to come and bring power. For some reason, for some reason, God includes us in his work. God includes his followers in this epic adventure. We're a part of it now. We're a part of it now. There's still a mission, obviously, because he's telling his disciples, you're going to go back to Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. I said this last week, I think. We are the ends of the earth. We're part of the ends of the earth that Jesus spoke about. Can you stop and think about that for a minute? When Jesus told his first disciples, you are going to receive power and you're going to tell people about me to the ends of the earth, that you are part of the ends of the earth. That God knew you when he told his disciples to share the message to the ends of the earth. Your name was in his heart. That's an that's a, that's a amazing thing to stop and consider. When he told his disciples, I'm going to give you power. And you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And the fact that he included me in that. Maybe, maybe you feel as if I do and you go, oh no, oh God, really? <laughs> me? <laughs> to the ends of the earth. Power. So there's still a mission. There's still a mission. You, you probably know it. I know you've heard me say it. But this is, this is why we say here at this church that we're following Jesus for our community. Ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Where we are, where we live, where we go. We want to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because For some reason, we're a part of his story. He wants to use us, work in us, through us, so that other people will come to know him. And it's his power. It's not ours. Listen, that should take, that should relieve a lot of us. That should take a lot of stress off any of us who think, no, 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 I can't, I can't talk about Jesus. I can't, I can't tell anyone. I can't, no, no, no. No, that's the Holy Spirit of God working through you. Let him work through you. Allow him to work through you. Ask him 
to work in you and through you. Talked about that last week. So we need this power, okay? We need this power. The power that he promised to his disciples, you and I need today. If Jesus said, hey, first 12, you're going to go, and you're going to share this message, and it's going to go and go and go, and there's going to be more people behind you. You're going you're gonna to shift gears here and go from disciples to apostles, which is amazing that that kind of happens, but it's when the Holy Spirit comes, and he's like, you're going to go and do this. That power, he's now equipped in us. All right, I know I'm... I'm repeating that a lot, but it's just so profound to me, and I wonder if we just kind of gloss over it, right? Jesus promised, all right, here, here, ends of the earth, okay, here's what I mean by that. In Matthew chapter 16, you can turn there real quick if you want, in verse 18, it'll be on the screen. Jesus made a promise to uh, his disciple, Simon, and he, he promised himself when he changed his name. And he said this, I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, because that's what Peter means. I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And here's the promise. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. My church, Jesus says, <laughs> the gates of hell will not overcome it. You are going to, as my disciples, as my people, my church is going to be formed. And it's powerful. And nothing can come against it. Jesus builds up his church through the power of the Holy Spirit in and through his followers. And nothing will be able to stop this. Nothing. Nothing. And Jesus promises his church will keep growing and going despite any resistance or any... The enemy's work itself. The power of the Holy Spirit. Dunamis. Now, you know me, friends. I have questions. <laughs> I'm going to ask you some questions. Because um, there are questions that I've been asked. So I'm going to share them with you. I, th I think this is something for us to ponder Do you believe the Holy Spirit has the power that you need? I'm going to explain that. But do you believe the Holy Spirit has the power that you need? What I mean by that, by need, is this. Do you believe, first and foremost, that he can transform your life? Because that might be where, the, where, the, where you are right now. I don't know if my life can actually be transformed. Do you believe that Jesus can transform your life? Right? That's, that's the work of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, the next question, that, that's, the, that's the most important. It's, you hear me say that when we baptize people, when people partner in ministry. Right? The first question is, are you a follower of Jesus? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit of God transforms you upon that belief? There's a transformation that happens. Okay, and then the next question, and it's kind of where I'm talking about today as far as Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, is this, do you really believe? I think we have that up there, right? Not that question. It's, it, this is, these are my sub-questions. Yeah. Do you believe he has the power you need? Is do you really believe that Jesus can transform the lives of other people? Oh, <laughs> 
Do you really believe that Jesus can transform the lives of other people? Because if you don't, if you don't believe that, that the work that Jesus does is a transformative work and the Holy Spirit give, gives power to make that happen, then it's like, why, why go to Jerusalem? Why go to Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth? I'll just do my thing. I'll do my own thing here. Do, do you believe that that transformation is going to happen in people's lives? And then, still sub-question of what I mean by need, do you believe the Holy Spirit has the power you need? Is do you believe that God can work in you and through you? And if the answer to those are yes, then I'm telling you, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. If you want your life to be transformed, you need the Holy Spirit. If you want to be actually useful in other people's lives being transformed and you want to share the good news, you need the Holy Spirit. And if you want God to work in you to make that happen, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. Now here's the second question. Do you want the Holy Spirit to empower you for his mission? Oh, that's the real question. Do you believe? Do you want? Do you want the Holy Spirit to empower you, dunamis, for his mission? Do you want to be led by the Holy Spirit? Whenever you hear people like me, or Justin, anyone go, you know, I really felt the Lord saying, or, you know, the Lord asked me to tell you, or the Lord led me to this passage, and you hear that, and you're like, what, 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 what? Like, does anyone do that with your glasses? What? I can't hear you. What? What do you mean by that? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God does very powerful things like heals people, restores people, and then says things like, read Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It's powerful powerful. Do you believe the Holy Spirit has the power you need? Do you want the Holy Spirit to empower you? And notice that I put on that question, not just to empower you, period, but to empower you for his mission. Because otherwise, I I just got to say it, it's a selfish motivation. Like we don't want to be empowered just so we can say we're empowered. We don't want to be empowered so we can be people who go, wow, the Holy Spirit's really working through them. No, no, no. We want to be empowered for the mission. The mission, the point, is for other people to know, for other people to call on the name of Jesus, for other people to recognize that their life does not have to remain the same. That there is hope, that there is redemption, that there is promise, there is healing, there is, there is a, 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 a removing the burdens that many, many, many people carry. Sometimes you can see them. Oftentimes you can't right? We want the Holy Spirit's power. Do you want the Holy Spirit's power to work in you and through you to minister to that person? Do you want the Holy Spirit? Because I I know I just kind of touched on this, but God doesn't give us the Holy Spirit so that we can have nice, maybe cool Christian experiences. No. No. 
The Holy Spirit empowers us so we can go out into a, a, a broken world, a fallen place, and, and live for the name of Jesus and tell others about him. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He equips us to do that. So, Porch community, if, you, if you're not picking up what I'm putting down here, we need dunamis power. We need this power for the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit for our mission. We need it. And here's the, the okay, all right, I'm, I'm tracking with you, Shannon, okay? How, what is, how, where, when, what does that look like? The power of the Holy Spirit comes through prayer. And you know this by looking at scripture. Yes, there are times in the Old Testament when the Holy Spirit comes upon someone, works through someone, speaks a, a prophetic word or works in that. But, but in regard to the Holy Spirit that Jesus is speaking of in Acts, it's a new day. We're under a new covenant. A promise has been fulfilled and, and one is continuing on through the work of Christ and now by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know it comes through prayer. What do Jesus' devoted followers do right when they get back to Jerusalem? Were they like, hey, I'm going to run home for a bit. I really haven't showered in a couple of days. I got to, you know, I need to return some calls. No, no, it says they returned. They went back to the place where they were staying and they met together and they prayed. They prayed. They prayed. Verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer. Prayer. What we know, and you can read in, in um, you can read on in scripture, what we know is it's probably about 120 people. I don't know if they were all crammed in the room or if there were, you know, some were there and some had to go and take care of things or whatever, but there was a large, it wasn't just the twelve. It wasn't just the 12 and uh, Mary and the other women and Jesus' brothers. We know this was a lot of people that were there, right? At least 120. And it says they all joined together constantly in prayer. This is what they did. They continually, what did they pray about? Were they like, I mean, what were the prayers? We know what the prayers were. They were praying for what Jesus promised them they would receive, they poured out their hearts to God expectantly and they were asking for the promised Holy Spirit. It's the last thing Jesus promised to them. I mean, here in, in, verse, in verse four, he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, right? We know that in verse four. And then in verse eight, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Okay. And then we read here in verse 14 that they all join together constantly in prayer. That was their response to those promises of Jesus. They prayed, they prayed, they prayed. Now, prayer is not an end to itself. Prayer is the means to an end. Prayer is the, it's knowing and experiencing God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's what prayer is. It's, it's entering into. And so when, when we experience God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, here's a churchy word for you, but Maybe now it will be, be fuller. 
When we experience God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we experience revival. We experience it in our own lives. We experience it among those that we we worship with, that we follow Jesus with. And by the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, we then share that with other people. If you know people that need Jesus, live as one who has the dunamis power of Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit for that power. Be revived in that name by that power. And you will see people around you go, I need to know more. I want to know more about this. I need more information about this. Tell me more. What are you doing? I, I'm praying. What you, I'm reading my Bible. I don't, revival. It's, it's the work of God. And so do, do you want revival? Do you, do you want, do you desire, is there a desire in you? See, we say revival in here and, and we think that means like get a tent and fried chicken and sweaty and stuff like that. I mean, it can be. I'm not, I'm not ruling that out. But, you know, we hear that word and we immediately attribute it to that. But revival means, it means coming back to life. To be revived means you were dead or real close to it. Right? Do you need revival? I love the word that, that is used. Well, I'm going to hold on to it. Well, I love the word inspire. To inspirate, to breathe into. We'll see this uh, next week in, in Acts chapter 2. Jesus breathes into. Like, are you like gasping for breath? So, you know, if, if you will. Like spiritually, are you... <gasps> You know, you ever done those deep breathing exercises and you realize, oh wow, I really haven't been breathing very well. I've just been kind of <gasps> halfway, and everyone's breathing now. I know. I'm like, <sighs> That's the word. This is how God wants to work. Do you want to be revived? Have you been gasping? Have you been just kind of living along with short little breaths and, and, and you know that like God put lungs inside of you that were intended to breathe deep and then exhale, not your stinky breath, but a beautiful aroma of God that makes people want to go, I need to know more about this. I want what you got. Tell me more. So just as the first followers of Jesus did, that we read here in Acts chapter 1. He gave them a promise. They returned to Jerusalem and they prayed. From the ascension to Pentecost, they prayed. They prayed. His last instruction was, wait for the gift my father promised. That's what he said in verse 4. So they return. They went upstairs and they prayed. We need this same gift. We need it. And so our prayer, our prayer based on the evidence of Scripture is come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. It must be. There is really no other prayer to pray based on how Jesus, what he, the, motion, the plan set in motion. 
God the Father and God the Son are in heaven. We have the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. So as they prayed for those days for the Holy Spirit to come, here's what we have uh, set in place for us as a church for this coming week. And it's an encouragement to you. It's an invitation to you. It could be, you may see it as a challenge to you. Some of you might go, oh, okay, I'm done now. Thank you for the message. But I would hope that you would listen. Okay. So um, next Sunday we're going to, uh, in, the, in the Christian calendar, next Sunday is not technically Pentecost, but it's where we're going to be in Scripture. So next week's Pentecost, okay. Um, so... We have put together a, a, a prayer guide or a prayer journal. We don't have a whole bunch of these because these suckers are expensive, by the way. But we also have a link that you can go to and you can get the PDF version. So techie people, please do this um, so we can be good stewards of our funds. But we printed about 75 of these, I think. Um, for this week, for today through next Sunday, ask you to participate in this. There's actually nine days in here, so you can double up a day or two. But there's an opportunity, there's daily prayers, there's daily focus. And so what we're asking is for our church is to take this next uh, week, these next seven days, and, and we're all going to, we would all be praying the same thing. And I would say, get with other people and do this if you can, but you can do it on your own, but, but, but why not gather with others, right? Your community group, your friends, your family, however you want to do that. If you need a hard copy and you want a hard copy, um, They'll be at the connections desk after the service. But again, if you, if you can use a link, that would be wonderful. All right, and you can go online to find that, porchcc.com, and you'll see the prayer guide. And now with that, so there's nine days of that, and then at the very end, I love this part. There's two things I want to point out about this. Is in the back, we have these group prayers. There's nine of these, just small paragraph prayers. We're actually going to pray the first one together in just a moment. Um, but I want you to do that with, with your community group. Gather with others and purposely, like intentionally pray that together. Um, I'm going to do this. So not just prayer. We're asking people to pray this week. And this is where it might be a challenge to some of you. But we're going to ask that you consider fasting in some form. The purpose of fasting is one, it's self-denial. But then two, it's also to refocus and put our focus on the Lord. And so one of the things, uh, this is just a, something I'm, I'm going to do this week, uh, is I'm going to fast my lunch, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here weather permitting. I'll be out at the picnic tables from 12 to 1, or if it's yucky, we'll, I'll be in here. Um, and I'm just going to, we'll just pray together. We'll, we'll pray together. We'll pray. We will seek God. We will pray together, come Holy Spirit. And I'll pray with whomever's here, and if I'm alone, I'll, I'll pray with with the Holy Spirit. Um, but I would ask that you would consider fasting in some form and using that time to pray. Come, Holy Spirit. It's what the first disciples did when Jesus said, I'm going to send one. It's going to have power. It's going to equip you. You're going to be my witnesses. This is the prayer. This is what we're praying for. The other thing I, uh, about this, the book or on the PDF is the very first page in the introduction. 
are five lines, one, two, three, four, five. And it's just asking you to pray about five people who you desire to share or you know need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So we're going to be doing that. We've got this prayer guide. We're all, we want to be action step people, right? This is what God's word says. What are we going to do about it, right? This is what verses 4 through 14 say. We've looked at it together today. Jesus said, it's coming. I'm going to give it to you. Wait to receive it. Ask for it. And they did. And they prayed for 10 days. So we're going to pray for this next week. Wednesday night, we are going to have a prayer and worship night here in the auditorium from 6 to 7.30. Um, come expectant. We'll have uh, porch kids uh, available, um, but we encourage older, older kids and, and students to, to be here as well. So in groups, in personal devotion, in worship, here's the deal. We want to be expectant. Our prayer, like the very first followers of Jesus, is come Holy Spirit. As the band comes back out, we're going to pray together. I want to read to you again just this verse 14. They all join together constantly in prayer. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, our comforter and our friend, as we stand on your word, we ask that you rain down on us. Would you let your power fall on us? Would you let your power change our hearts? Would you open heaven wide and pour out the rain of your Holy Spirit over our church and over our lives right now? Will you change us? Will you renew us? Will you empower us? We need your touch again. Precious gift from heaven. Send us your cleansing rain. Burn within our souls. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.